Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone? You are listening to another episode of Believe in Falcons, and today's episode is very special because I am extremely pleased to announce the new co-host of the show, former Falcons fullback, Ovi Mahaley, one of the best players of his day, and he's going to be joining me every single week to give his thoughts on the Falcons throughout the season, and I'm really excited to have you on here, Ovi. Tell him, uh, tell him what's good. Hey, man. Well, first of all, it's not good. It's great to be on here with you. It's great <laughs> to be able to talk some football because my poor wife has been listening to me just, you know, whine about this and complain about that. And why are they doing this? So now I got to complain to you and the whole world about uh, my love for all things football and all things, especially Falcons. You know, I had a chance to play six years with the team. I was the first Pro Bowl fullback in the Falcons franchise yes, sir. history. Yes, sir. I thought even count, but if I was... <laughs> I'd be the first. And um, it's something that, you know, I take pride in. I take pride in my team. The only guy who's still there when I since when I played was Matt, is Matt Ryan. So I'm always rooting for Matty Ice. I just, you know, wish the rest of the team would, would come with it. But the <laughs> new regime change, the new, uh, you know, uh, digs, I, I think we have a, a new attitude. And I'm trying to stay positive about this year. I, I am positive about this year. If you're in a sports betting, BetOnline is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ooh, well, after uh, after the first preseason game, I'm not sure how many people are uh, are there with you because with me, yeah, <laughs> that that was that was pretty tough. But but it's preseason, and that's what I've been saying, kind of in the lead up to the the first game, and and just throughout training camp is it's a process, and where they are right now is certainly not where they're going to be. Even even in week one, but by like week five, because one thing that I've always heard about the NFL is the first four weeks of the season can be kind of misleading. You know, teams really don't become what they are going to become for much of the rest of the way until kind of like week five, week six. That's when things start to gel, identities form. So freaking out like everybody is on they one are. preseason game is insane. That being said. It was not a great showing. What what were your takeaways from from watching the action? I mean, freaking out on the first preseason game isn't you know the right move to do, but especially the first preseason game where no starters are playing, no right. starters are playing, and I get it. We are starved for football. We are craving something positive in the Falcons arena after last year's terrible four and twelve debacle. <laughs> but this is not the hang your hat on game to see if we're going to be worth a damn. Uh, this is the game where you look for depth and you look for some positive, uh, you know, shining lights that the players can give you. Weren't that many of those, but there were a couple. My <laughs> uh, you know, overall thoughts is that the coaching seemed to be at a higher level. It seemed to be more 
just uh, the IQ level of the coaching side was way up there. Nothing against uh, Dan Quinn and his Band of Mary uh, Brotherhood men, but, you know, <laughs> it, it was just so many cliches and so many catchphrases and so many rise upping. And it, it, it got to the point where, dude, you're four and 12. At some point, show some emotions, show some, you know, that, that you that you really care. The players are just, you know, gosh darn it, you know, golly darn it, we'll get them next time. No, get mad, get get pissed off, get, get you know, how football players are supposed to get when you're losing time and time again yeah. and stop coming up with some catchphrases that ain't making nobody really get to be, be their best. So I, I felt like just seeing how especially DMPs and the defense were operating, mm-hmm. the fact that young players were able to work in that scheme to where they were getting in the backfield, they were causing uh, um, disruption, they were causing chaos, which is what you want a defense to do. I felt good about the defense. Um, I felt bad about the offense and offensive line and for AJ McCarron, which even without the offensive line didn't have his best showing, but um, uh, God bless Matt Ryan and his health because <laughs> if he goes down, we're not winning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I remember, I remember uh, reading uh, a book where essentially they were interviewing um, the Colts uh either head coach or or general manager at the time about Peyton Manning. And they were essentially saying that the second team quarterback in Indy didn't receive very many reps at all during the season. And the logic to that was, look, if we lose Peyton Manning, we're fucked and we don't practice fucked. (laughs) And and, and that's kind of, that's kind of what this team is, right? Exactly. And so like we, the reason that the Falcons have, kind of had dwindling success since they reached that peak in 2016 was because they invested so much in the top of their roster and that affected the depth. And you can play that game and have success in the NFL, but you have to hit on all of your draft picks. If you're going to really invest in five or six key players, you need the depth there to supplement it and you need to get it through the draft because you just don't have the, the capital to get it in free agency. The Falcons bill is coming due right now because of that approach. And Jeff Schultz wrote a piece for The Athletic, essentially highlighting the fact that they have the most league minimum contracts of any team in the NFL. Wow. You saw the result of that on Friday night because yeah. you saw you saw guys who, you know, basically like other teams passed over and, and the Falcons like a lot, but it was a lot of undrafted free agents it's a lot of the league minimum guys that they think values there. And Terry Fontenot, to his credit, has proven to be very good at that throughout his career with the Saints. He finds guys like Demario Davis, who kind of were overlooked a little bit in free agency and then really popped and became a pro bowler in, in New Orleans. So he can have success with that. But you're going to get a lot of days, I think, like Friday, when you've got players who would on other teams probably be like third or fourth string and here maybe second string because the Falcons just lack that depth across many spots on this roster. And like you said, when you've got pretty much all of your starters not suiting up, like that's why it's even crazier to take anything away from this game because none of the guys that you really saw out there with the exception of, you know, Michael Walker and Marlon Davidson. And that's why I think the defense maybe shined a little bit brighter was because you had more at least rotational players in there to start the game with the first team while on offense, you know, maybe Josh Andrews, maybe Jalen Mayfield, but like Matt Hennessy wasn't even suited up. 
And when I saw that, I was like, all right, just you guys are, yeah, you guys are, are just really wanting to get to the season healthy. Um, so because it was just such a, a bad game, I mean, you've been on the other side of it. Have you ever played in some just really crappy preseason games? And what's the mentality like after a game like this? You just say, look, you know, we, we, we didn't have it, it first game of the season. Here are the learning moments, the teaching points. Let's get back to work next week. We've got Miami coming up. Or does this really impact a player's ability to, to maybe make the roster if they just had a crappy first preseason game? Well, it's, uh, it's different for different players, obviously. When, and later on in my career, when I knew that I wasn't going to be judged in my preseason uh, you know, acumen, it was all about what I do during the regular season, it was more just honing my skills. And it wasn't about mm-hmm. hitting home runs. It was about being consistent, about finding uh, some of the small, intricate technique uh, things that I needed to improve on. And if we lost the game or if I even lost a couple of plays where I didn't pancake my guy, it was fine because I all knew that these were building blocks to make me ready for the regular season. Now, for a younger guy, it's every single opportunity you got to shine or get the coach's attention. You got to take it. So for some of these, you know, quarterback, well, Felipe Franks, especially, <laughs> I'd be swinging that thing. You know, I don't care. I saw him throw passes out of bounds. And I guess he's doing the smart thing, but I'm trying to force it in there. I'm trying to, you know, run on the plays where mm. they're breaking down to show my athleticism even more. And he did that. A couple of huge runs, and he had a chance to really let people know that AJ McCarron might not be safe at number two because I got some uh, skills that can pay these bills. And I just feel like any player who doesn't take a preseason game and say, you know what, a young player, I can't play it safe. I, I can't go out there and just, you know, try to be cool, calm, collected. No, I have to go kamikaze, balls to the wall a- as good as I can because you never know when you're going to get another chance because there's so many camp bodies and there's so many people who want to go out there, need to get out there and get some game film. You got to take advantage of the time you have on the field. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Terry Fontenot even kind of made the comment after the game that these guys aren't just competing against everybody on the Falcons 90 man roster. They're competing against everybody in the NFL, you know, because they're constantly trying to evaluate and say, how can we upgrade at this position or, or whatever? But you brought up the quarterback battle and I'm going to be honest for like, obviously the offense got a little bit of a spark once Felipe Franks got in there, but I, I have this thing and I think it's from watching, you know, every preseason game over the past four years and and being there in person, the third string quarterback, you got to do more than just run the ball. Right. Like, like I, I saw that I think with Danny Etling was kind of the, the most recent example where Sure, you like you're gonna find space to run at, at, in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. That's just kind of the level of competition that you're playing with. But yes. you're a quarterback; you got to move the ball through the air. And I think it was notable that Arthur Smith said, "You know, yes, the production picked up once Felipe got in there, but the offense ran more smoothly when AJ McCarron was kind of calling the shots." And that makes sense; he's a veteran. Felipe's a rookie, but I do kind of feel like AJ got a little bit of the the short shrift playing because the number of good plays that he actually had that kind of got called back due to penalty seemed pretty high. I'm thinking of that third down throw when he absolutely zipped it in on kind of the left-hand side by the sideline for what would have been a first down. And there was an illegal formation call and it 
got called back and then they just couldn't. So I think that if you just look at the stat line and Felipe was only two for nine for 16 yards, but he had, <laughs> he had 76 rushing yards. Exactly. And that's what everyone remembers. Right. The casual but you're absolutely right. The GM, the coach, the people who are making the decision on the fate of his uh, future is going to say, Felipe, we know you got legs. We yeah. know you saw some gaps and you took it. That's great. But can you carry a team if Matt Ryan goes down? Not even carry a team. Can you just be serviceable? Don't throw any interceptions. Yeah. Make the play you're supposed to make. You know, throw the ball at balance when you're supposed to, which he actually did. And I, I feel like, you know, in the preseason game, you got to show me something. So it may have been a missed opportunity, but those guys will get a lot more snaps in this preseason because Matt Ryan has nothing to prove. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I, I remember last week uh, on the podcast, I kind of talked about how do you properly watch a, tr- a preseason game? Because there, there are things that can be misleading. And there are things that actually are, are there to latch onto. But one of the points that I made is these are three snapshots that fans are going to base their, all of their opinions on, on who is good and who is bad. The coaches see these guys every single day and, and yep. they see they see the trends. They know who's in a rhythm. They know who's in a slump. They know who's trying to work through something who maybe have a nagging injury. Like they've got so much more information. We're looking through a keyhole and that matters because like these guys, they may sit there and say, okay, AJ McCarron didn't have a great game, but he's been crushing it in practice. Whereas Felipe may, may be struggling to connect with receivers. And then you go two for nine and the coaching staff has more information to base, you know, that performance off of. So that's just another thing to, to keep in mind for fans who are watching these games is we're basing it all on 60 minutes of football and the coaching staff has so much more to go off of. Um, so as we kind of continue to, to talk about the game and, and for the season moving forward, I think this would be a fun way to, to judge performances. And as a player, you're fully aware of um, the Monday morning team meeting, you know, where you review the film together as, as a group and you don't want to be the one that, that screwed up on, on Sunday and gets, gets called out. So basically, who's going to have Not a good... Cool. <laughs> who's who's going to have a good experience in the team meeting room on on Monday today as we're recording and and who probably had a uh, not the most fun sitting there knowing what play was was going to come up. So I guess I'll go first and and my good meeting room guy is Dorian Etheridge, the uh rookie linebacker who little known trying to trying to make a spot on the 53 man roster, but he led the team with 13 tackles. The next highest player had four. And on top of that, he had three tackles for a loss. So Dorian Etheridge was, was all over the place on Friday. And, and for this is a very, probably the deepest position group on, on the Falcons roster is, is that linebacker. So for him to really make an impact in his first game, potentially he's now got an outside shot to, to slide in there. Maybe as the, last linebacker on the depth chart. Is there somebody that you thought had a particularly good game and would be getting uh, dapped up in the team meeting room on Monday? Oh, absolutely. I told you the defense was the high point for the team and Marlon Davidson was the high point for the defense. Uh, getting yeah. in the backfield, being disruptive, not being blockable. I saw him get double teamed a couple of times and beating those. It's the defense that's been keeping us from being a elite team year after year. From the time I was there till you know when I when I left in 2012, left. Uh, <laughs> le- uh, yeah, so <laughs> I decided to leave. I was like, I don't want to. 
play football anymore. I'm leaving. Forget this. I'm leaving. Um, (laughs) The time I departed the Deer Falcons, um, it's been the defense. We've always had Matt Ryan since I've been there. You know, when I was there, we had Michael Turner. We had good running games. We had amazing receivers. Julio Jones, Roddy White, you know, um, uh, Tony Gonzalez for a while. It was the defense that could never hold up. When we had even an average defense, in 2012, going almost to the Super Bowl, 2016 going to the Super Bowl, an average defense will get us to the promised land. And Dean Pease has been able to bring a defense to where these guys show their best. And he puts them in a position to win. And Marlon Davis is, is ready to win. So it was just fun watching him give us a taste of what a Dean Pease defense can accomplish. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point with Marlon, too. And I, I remember there reading a uh, really interesting quote where basically Dean Pease every single day tells Marlon Davidson, hey, show us the player that we see when we flip on your college tape. Basically, like, that's the guy we need to see out here. And I think that exactly as you alluded to, we saw that on Friday night. The best thing about him is his versatility on the defensive line because he's got the flexibility and kind of the the speed of more of an end type of player, but the body and the strength of an interior guy. And so I think on this defense especially, He'll be able to move inside and outside and be a, a versatile piece for Dean Pease to use and, and ed- exactly brings the mentality that you would want uh, in a defensive lineman. That dude is extremely confident in himself. Um, so somebody who's, who's not going to have the best team meeting room uh, film review in my eyes is left guard Josh Andrews. And I debated putting Jalen Mayfield here, but the key difference to me is Jalen's a rookie. This was his first preseason game. They know that it's going to be a a growing process for him. I think offensive line is one of the hardest places to kind of transition to from college to the NFL just because of of the way that the college game has evolved and the NFL game has evolved. Um, But Josh Andrews is a little bit more of a veteran. And for him to come out here against, again, kind of like second team guys to start off this game, and give up a lot of pressure. He he got flat out beaten at one moment. Uh, you know, there were a couple where he had good protection and maybe nobody was getting open downfield. But it was definitely, I mean, I think there's a reason why we all came um, came away worried about the left guard spot a little bit. And I think it's not surprising that they've now moved Jalen Mayfield back into the guard spot because um, I think they need, they feel that they need a little bit more competition or somebody to evaluate there. So Josh Andrews, Probably didn't like what he saw when they flipped on the tape this morning. No, not 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 at all. Uh, he's probably embarrassed at what he saw, and, and the whole offensive line. I was going to say Jalen Mayfield because you know, he yeah. has a rookie in practice. He, I've heard he's been done pretty well in practice, but it doesn't matter what you, to a certain extent it matters what you do in practice. But when the lights turn on, yeah. can you catch that ball? Can you make that block? Can you get to the quarterback when the lights are on? That's what you want to see if you're a head coach. And Jalen Mayfield flunked his first test. Uh, he was getting overpowered. He was, you know, uh, just not comfortable in his own skin from his footwork to his hands getting inside. He, he could have been called for holding on multiple plays if you watch yeah. the film, but they, they they let it slide. So he got lucky that he just got away with a a bad game as opposed to a, just a, a terrible, horrendous game. But if you don't want to go off as a line, I was going to say A.J. McCarron really wanted to impress um, the, the whole team so they can believe in him as – I can be a true number two. Yeah, I can be, a, a, you know, like a Matt Schaub. I mean, some of these career backups that they come in, they actually win games. Uh, there, there are some backups 
that you feel comfortable that this guy isn't going to mess things up when he gets in. We don't feel that way about AJ McCarron. He had a chance to show us. Granted, he's running for his life for a majority of the time, but even on some of the plays where he got out and he had a clear look, he wasn't able to hit the the receivers in stride. He wasn't able to to get them on the numbers. He was um, uncomfortable with his own skin as well. And it's it's a shame because I, I know that Falcons fans want to know Matty Ice wants to take a rest if he tweaks his ankle, that we won't lose a game if yeah. we're up. But now it's like, Matt, you got to be Iron Man every game, all season long, to the Super Bowl if we get there. That's, you know, not feasible. He's going to – he's human. And A.J. McCarron needs to show us that he's better than what he showed us last night. My favorite thing from the past, like, five years was when Matt Schaub stepped in in 2019 against the Rams and threw for damn near 500 passing yards and finished, like, second all-time in single-season uh, or single-game yardage in Falcons history. And he did it after not playing a game for, like, four years. Just steps in and – they lost the game, but he lit it up. Um, but I, I appreciate you bringing up kind of the penalty point because I do think we should touch on that because, I mean, a crazy amount of flags. I think they had 99 yards in penalties, a lot of penalties at really poor times, third down, um, just things that prevented or negated a big play. And I'm curious, have you ever played in a game where you could just kind of tell that the refs had like an itchy tr- trigger finger uh, with the flag throwing and how frustrating is that? And how do you have to, do you come together? Kind of, does the coach pull everybody in and say, look, they're going to be really ticky tack. You got to be extra careful. How does that process work? I mean, we usually know before the game starts, we, and this is crazy. When I got to the NFL that we even did this. Of course we have, uh, you know, a scouting report on the defense we're going to play and the team we're going to play special teams, but we have a scouting report on refs. Yeah. So we know, which refs are called tic-tac files, which refs, you know, lead the league in offsides calls, which refs seem to not like certain players on our team. We have a great scouting team that gets all this information for us. So we kind of know beforehand. And also, if they're trying to push a certain uh, uh, call, like sportsmanship, for instance, uh, like they were doing this this weekend, where every single person who showed emotion was getting a flag yeah. thrown on their face. It was pissing me off, to be uh, honest with y'all. <laughs> I'm here with some other NFL players. We were all just like booing at the TV, wanting to throw a yellow flag at the ref for just being stupid. You can't play this game and not show emotion. Right. So the fact they're trying to legislate it out of the game, which is a big reason why fans love this game, is it, just bananas to me. So I, I don't understand how we're going to get through a season with everyone having a big play, giving a golf clap, and walking calmly to the huddle. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've had – situations to where um they've called uh not rough and passes just you know unsportsmanlike conduct for me because i blocked somebody and i drove him to the ground and i, I planted him on the ground and yeah, i may have used his chest to push myself <laughs> up but it, it's it's part of the game and yeah. certain refs like to feel like they're they're in charge and it's their show so you just got to be you know, wary of that because as much as you want to play the game your way, you can't hurt the team because you want to do your own thing. Yeah, and I know in the preseason, this is the time when the refs, uh, you know, stretch their arms out, loosen them up a little bit, uh, throw a lot of penalties because they they are trying to make a point. Um, I doubt 
the season opener Thursday night when when the season actually kicks off is if there's going to be 20 flags thrown. I think if there is, there will be a riot on social media Um, because it's just not fun to watch. But to your point, I mean, it's it's crazy because we like we're going through this discussion when it comes to Major League Baseball with the bat flips and everybody is universally kind of pro bat flip. Like, what does it matter? You just crushed a homer. Yeah, you get to celebrate a little bit. The most fun with the You're NFL right. used to be when, you know, T.O. is pulling a pen out of his sock and signing a football or, you know, Steve Smith is wiping the football like a baby or whatever. Like that was so <laughs> much fun. It was so much fun. It only it. it only benefits the league. So I don't understand, you know, wh- it seems like every year they find a different kind of point or part of the you game to, to focus rule. on. Yeah. So it just seems like that's this year's version of that rule. I just hope they don't go too far in the other direction because yeah you're competitive you're competing if you pancake a dude you just whooped his ass you kind of deserve the right yeah push up off of him if you want like stop me if that's if you don't like it do something about it um that's how it works so all right now like we've seen one preseason game in the books what what do you need to see kind of moving forward in, in game when they play their second game when they do these live practices against miami this week what are the aspects of the team that you really want to see kind of a a turnaround i think this will be our first real chance to evaluate the coaching staff how do they respond how do they get their team to respond from a really poor showing Uh, i i do agree with you that i liked i liked the vibe that i was getting from the coaching staff it was clear they're not making the mistakes out there and arthur smith looked as pissed as everybody and i think that you saw more cohesion you saw identities actually starting to take shape on both sides of the ball. The Falcons did what they said they're going to do on defense. They're going to blitz. I love the double A gap blitz. I loved Jalen Hawkins coming free, getting the green. Like I really liked how they manufactured pressure, which you can do. Like that can you can do that on defense. Offensively, there was an identity. It was outside zone runs. It was play action bootlegs, and it didn't really work. And screens mixed in there didn't really work, but. They stuck to it and they did it a bunch. Now that we are going into week two of the preseason, what do you want to see from from this team? Uh, consistency. I, yeah. I want to see consistency. I want to see these guys do the same damn thing they did last time, but actually have it work. I want the run game to get established. I want you know Maddie Ice to feel comfortable that they're not you know saying okay y'all can't run, you never could run. We're going to cover your receivers and blanket them and make it really hard for you to, to throw because we know. Matt can't scramble, but I want them to have a threat of a monster, bullish, just, you know, beat your ass type of run game. And that's something that we have to establish. And we can go ahead and put that on film during the preseason. So during the regular season, they already fear us. So now that we're going to have our offensive line starters make an appearance, and now that we're going to have some of our, our big running backs make an appearance, let's show them who we can be because Arthur Smith, with the monster he had over in Tennessee, he was known for making it easy on Ryan Tannehill, on his quarterback. It wasn't like the quarterback had to, had to steal the show. They had Derrick Henry trucking down, <laughs> getting 200, 300, 1,000 yards, however many he wanted to. And we'll see if, if Mike Davis and, and company can be that that crew. Now, no one's going to be Derrick Henry. He's a, a once-in-a-generation type of player. But I feel like we have tools here that can help us establish the run game. Of course, being a fullback, I am 
you know, really excited to see if we can get that bully mentality because it's it's a mentality. It, it's not something that you can just put on paper and go out there and hope hopefully it executes. You have to have that that nasty, gnarly, stanky, just don't <laughs> give a crap about who I, I injure playing to the line and over the line uh, 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 nature about you when you run the ball. And it, it gets me excited even talking about it because I remember you know, the, the Harvey Dolls and Tyson Claybos oh, and the yeah. Tommy Floors and even Sam Baker and myself. We were a, a group. We were a gang. We were, you know, some cold-blooded killers that wanted to get that defense and those linebackers pissed off. And yeah. I, I know that they're a brotherhood, uh, but they need to turn – that moniker off and, and turn into some, to some dogs. They need to turn into some, some animals that are ready to eat. So I, I want to see that um, come to fruition. And I think that it's going to make, you know, Matt Ryan smile from ear to ear, knowing that he has that run game back that gives him the ability to be Matt Ryan. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. So you can speak to this because I, I've always, I like, I really like the signing of Mike Davis because I, I think that, Obviously, Derrick Henry is not, you know, replaceable. You can't even replicate what what he brings. But I do think that there's a a little bit of a way that the Falcons may have kind of moneyballed this running back situation where it's you can't replace Derrick Henry. You can't find another Derrick Henry. But what qualities does he have as a runner? And can you find another player with qualities not to that level, but still kind of has that same combination of what makes Derrick Henry special. And I think Mike Davis has a little bit of that. He's got really good contact balance. He's got more elusive short area quickness than you would think. I don't think he has the home run speed that Derrick Henry has, nor can he like deliver a blow that the same way that Derrick Henry can, but they're, they look completely different, but I think they kind of bring a little bit of the same stuff to the table. When you watch Mike Davis, what stands out to you about him as a runner? Yards after contact, much like Derrick Henry, Mike Davis, you know, leads the league last year with yards after contact. It, it's any big bullish runners. Uh, I think something that they wear as a gold star. It takes one, two, three guys take me down. Uh, you, yeah. You're not going to get an ankle tackle. You're not going to get an arm tackle and have me fall down. And you mentioned his balance. That that balance and that vision allows him to be somebody who can give you three yards give you two yards, give you four or five yards, first down. Give you six yards, give you three yards, two yards, first down, and just keep on moving the ball. One of the things I think may be really uh, exciting for Falcons fans in Mike Davis is that he's hungry. You watch these interviews, you see that 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 cool, calm, collected um, confidence. That's a lot, a lot, a lot of C's. Um, but you see that, <laughs> that, 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 that confidence that he has, he knows it's his time. And yeah. it reminds me of, uh, of Mike T, Michael Turner, when he came from San Diego from the Chargers, where he was great. Uh, he was, you know, backing up uh, somebody even greater in, in Ladanian Tomlinson. Yep. But he wanted to show people that I'm a star in my own right. You know, yeah. Mike Davis has been exalted and he's been put in some great situations and he succeeded, but he's never been made the premier back like this. He, people are wanting, wondering if he can handle the load. I think he can. Yeah. Especially the first couple of years, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, but he's ready to be the guy, ready to be the man, ready to have, you know, in multiple thousand yard seasons. And there's nothing more dangerous than a man on a mission. Mike Davis is a man on a mission and someone who has the tools to actually uh, show up. 
So I, I think it's going to be exciting to watch. I can't wait to see how Arthur Smith brings that uh, Tennessee Titans offensive mentality to the Falcons because, again, that's what Matt Ryan needs to be at his best. Yeah, I think Michael Turner actually might not be the worst comp in the world for for Mike Davis situationally and, you know, if not necessarily exact play style. But I was listening to you know, Chris Long's podcast at, at one point in in the past, and he was talking about kind of the toughest players that he ever had to tackle. And he put Michael Turner right up there, you know, near the That's top. That's funny. Just yeah. because, you know, the dude's <laughs> built like a, he's built like a bowling ball. I mean, the, the dude is all legs. He's all legs yeah. and Five legs. we've, we've always, we've seen the the pictures of Mike Davis. I mean, his, his thighs are, uh, are right up there with, with Michael Turner. So I yeah. can't imagine him being super easy to bring down. And, and that's, what's awesome in this, this outside stretch zone scheme is you could be, if the defense doesn't play it really well, you're, you're seeing a lot of arm tackles. You're seeing a lot of guys getting run by offensive linemen who are able to just get their outside arm free to, try to bring you down, but that's not going to work against Mike Davis. You got to really square him up in the hole. And I think that, you know, you just run the defensive lineman, create a, either a cutback lane or you keep the front side sealed off and, and let Mike Davis go to work. So I absolutely am excited to see, uh, you know, how yeah, much do you think, think our starters are going to, are going to play? You know, do you think they're going to, it's obviously a different type of situation here with only three preseason games instead of four. So the, do we think the middle game that this game is going to be the one, the dress rehearsal game, or do we even think there is a dress rehearsal game? That's a great point. With four preseason games, you kind of knew the um, the schedule with the starters and, how, and who would play when and how they play and how much they would play. With three games, uh, I'm curious to see uh, how each team take, tackles it. Uh, but it's got to be the second game where the starters play and the third game you're getting ready for the regular season. So I think this is the game. This is the game where we're going to see you know, all the big names and all of the uh, high paid players really go out there and, and show what they can do. Uh, usually, you know, with second preseason game, we play maybe a quarter. Third preseason game, we play two quarters. And the fourth preseason game, the starters will be out. But now yeah. that they have only two games, I wouldn't be surprised if they played, you know, two and a half quarters, you know, at least two quarters, two and a half, just for the starters to really, uh, you know, get their feet wet. But it depends on, how good or bad they play. I, I've been on <laughs> for 10 years, 10, 10, 10 training camps, and I've been on teams where we played so bad the preseason, the coach was like, keep them on there. <laughs> keep them out. That'd be so bad. <laughs> I didn't mess up. I did fine. I did my job. It ain't that hard. Box somebody. But the rest of the office messed up. The starters are staying on there. The ones are staying out there. I'm like, come on, coach. It's preseason. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past a coach to keep People who mess up out there longer, but you don't want to get anybody hurt. So you just want to get them out there, get them nice and lathered up, show the coaches and themselves what they can do, and then pull them out. Man, I just I just want to see Kyle Pitts out there. Yeah, I know, right? How how awesome would it have been to have Julio Jones and Kyle Pitts play during that game? It was perfectly lined up, and neither of them even touched the field. That was it was killing me. I know, but I I hope I think we'll at least see him next week. It all indications seem like he is. Like I, I'm trying to I'm trying to guard against expectation because I do think tight end is one of the most complicated positions, underratedly yeah. like complicated positions, and that's why it rookies is. rookies struggle. Um, but man, I I just feel like is there a chance Kyle Pitts is even better than than we all think? And and having having a quarterback like Matt Ryan in place is 
probably the best thing that could have happened for him yep. to start his career. And it seems like the attention that he's getting from all parties. Down, I mean, you played with Matt. Like Matt, Matt's going to let you know what he needs you to do. He's going to guide yep. you. He's going to take ownership, and he's not going to let you fail because he's going to put you in the right spot. Yeah, he's a great communicator, and people don't give him enough credit for that being a great communicator. And he's great in the locker room. I, I got again. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here with some other NFL players, and uh, we were all talking about you know our quarterback. I got some guys from the Patriots who were giving me some old Tom Brady stories, which was very interesting oh, to hear. Man. Tom Brady behind the curtain, you know how he is sitting on the lunch table. Got some Ben Roethlisberger stories, which didn't. You know, fair very well for Ben. Ben ain't the the, the chummiest guy, but, but Matt Ryan, <laughs> he is you know a, a, a player's player. He's he's got a guy who talks to everyone, communicates to everyone, a really solid dude, a, a nice human being, but is a competitor, a fierce competitor. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. He gets riled up. He's like, oh, he doesn't show enough emotion. He shows emotion. You know, when I was there for for five years with him and just watching him on TV, he shows emotion. I think he's gonna be. A great, you know, big brother to Kyle Pitts and help him succeed early on in his career. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's had practice at this. He's done it to Julio. He's done it to Calvin. He's yep. you know he yep. learned it from Roddy White, like exactly. Antonio Gonzalez. Like he's done this. He's he's got a master's degree in helping young players develop and exactly. and reach their potential. So that that's awesome. I definitely want to get. Some of those quarterback stories, the ones you can tell on, on future oh, podcasts, man. but we got to we'll, we'll share some. I'm, I'm collecting them. I'm collecting them, put them in a little box, locking up the key and, and the right time comes. I'm, I'm going to let you know <laughs> some interesting things about these quarterbacks. There you go. Uh, to, to let listeners know, though, you and I, I mean, we've got it seems like and I'm sure we'll uncover more as we do this, but a lot of shared interests and uh, stuff away from football, pop culture, just things we enjoy doing out in the world and one of those that we'll we'll talk about right now is is hard knocks. I mean, I think it's a really well done, interesting. It like actually is a look behind the scenes. It does give fans uh, a real kind of peek behind the curtain. Obviously, there are some things that are not revealed, more of the the actual. But I thought yeah. I thought this first episode, the conversation between Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons on the phone during the the game was fascinating. I mean, it shows yeah. you the. A, it shows you the type of person DQ is and, and just the way that he communicates. He's so good at communicating in this very like staccato, jumbled mm-hmm. like jargon <laughs> where he says like half of a sentence and then yep. like totally says something different with another half of a sentence. But you understand what he means. But he just talks in these like short clipped sentences and phrases and just moves along and expects you to kind of keep up with his train of thought. And I thought that was yeah. hilarious. Dude also cussed up a storm in that halftime. And I was like, well, yeah, that sounds like Dan Quinn. So what yeah. what do you think about the episode? Uh, I, I love it. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this podcast with you every week because we do like the same things. I, I'm a little kid. Uh, you are as well with video games to you know, <laughs> Japanese anime to, you know, movie buffs, to, you know, just Loving, uh, you know, be, being a little bit different, which uh, those who are different will, will like us a whole bunch. But Hard Knocks is something that I have loved since it came out because it gave me a chance to see other locker rooms. Even when I was playing ball from 2003, 4, 5, 6 with the Ravens, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 with the Falcons. Well, I did training camp for 2012 with the St. Louis Rams. But doing training camp, three different teams, and seeing, you know, how other teams do it is fascinating because 
it's just different vibes and different rules and different storylines. I always say the NFL is the male soap opera for the ages because <laughs> there are so many storylines and will he, won't he, will these guys get in a relationship to where they can connect and actually work together? Will they not? Nah, are they going to fight? Are they going to break up? Are, are these coaches <laughs> going to connect? It, it's, it's so great when you have so many moving parts in the NFL and hard knocks shows you the beginning of that. It shows you the, especially the, the underdogs. I mean, I'm a fullback, you know, by trade and, you know, I wanted to be a, a quick tailback making all the money, scoring the touchdowns. <laughs> my, my mother and father decided to give me a body type to where a three point stance is in my, my future. And it worked out. You know, I, I got it almost a decade and I did okay. But you made a, you made a pro bowl. Yeah. I made a, I made a pro bowl. Not too, too I, bad. I, yeah, but I, I, I'm an underdog. I'm a, a consummate underdog. So I love underdog stories. I love seeing that undrafted rookie, that you know, that player that is on his third, fourth, fifth team and try to get a chance. I love seeing these guys who, I mean, the NFL. It, I, I forget it at times, and I almost make light of it at times. It's an amazing privilege to play on this level to play in front of these fans to, to, to have that shield as a part of your, your history. I mean, it's amazing. And, and for guys to be so close, so God dang close <laughs> and to have it snatched away because of an injury or because they fumbled a ball or because they forgot to play or they jumped off sides. It's heartbreaking, but it's, it's also yeah. just riveting to see guys who it's their moment and, and they're shining. They, they're casting one handed balls. They're in practice and they're yeah. pancake blocking the, the biggest uh, player. They're a DB and no one believes in them, but they're intercepting the, the top quarterback and locking down the top receiver. That stuff gets me hyped. I mean, that stuff is exciting to where, you know, the regular fan is just living vicariously through that. And, and, and even me, a former player, I'm living vicariously through these players saying that's that special something that makes people fall in love with this game. Yeah, that, That's that special sauce that makes the NFL a multi-billion dollar industry because those type of, of scenarios, watching these guys, not, not go from rags to riches, but to go from no one gave me a shot, no one believed in me, no one you know really thought I could accomplish my dream and having them do it anyway, having that chip on the shoulder and doing it anyway, Hard Knock unfolds that for you like a, like a beautiful rose. like It uncovers different layers of <laughs> this struggle for these teams. Now, the, the, the bad part is that being on Hard Knocks has not fared well for a lot of these NFL teams, but Hard Knocks is something that I personally take as a treat. But if I was an owner or a GM, I'd say, no, I'm not doing Hard Knocks because Hard Knocks teams don't win Super Bowls. I don't know if it's because they got given too much information out there or they're tired of playing for the cameras, but it just hasn't ended well for any Hard Knocks team. I think playing for the cameras, I've actually always thought, I think you like during camp, you got to be focused on yeah. preparing. And I think that you see some of these once they get, you know, two, three episodes in, I think you start seeing players do stuff for the cameras a little Absolutely. bit more. And I think it's just human nature. But any moment that you're not fully dedicated to preparing for the season is a moment that another team or another player out there is. And I think just the aggregate, you slowly, it just chips away. And I think that you're right. We just see teams who have been on this before and not really have it uh, a pan out. But, you know, what what else about this episode stood out to you? Because I think the Dak Prescott storyline is obviously very compelling. 
as he's coming back from. I mean, I thought the the yeah. clip of him slamming his ankle like onto the turf to just try to pop it back in, which is yeah, I guess like a normal human react. Like if you you Oof. don't believe that you get hurt, right? And an injury, I for instance, mm-hmm. I once playing rugby my freshman year at Georgia, I broke my jaw. And at, at for about 10 minutes, I had no idea that I had broken my jaw. And I ran over to the sideline. I was just sitting out for a moment. I was going to come back into the game. And then I kind of like looked at my coach, looked at my parents, started talking, and I felt it pop like up. And I was like, oh, ah, this hurt. And they were like, yeah, oh, your, no. jaw was, your jaw was kind of hanging, hanging a little bit. And oh. but, but my point is that I didn't even realize that. For a second, because it takes a moment for the shock to really hit you. And they even showed that with Dak, where he was like, it wasn't until my teammates kind of came over and started letting me know everything was going to be okay that the emotions overwhelmed me and I realized my season's over. Um, I mean, what what can you say about Dak coming back from this injury? And have you ever had like an injury like that where you've had to then rehab, come back and trust your body to, to perform and do its job? Yeah, I mean, my uh, second year into... Um football with the Ravens. I had to have a shoulder surgery, my, my, uh, acromial clavicular AC joint. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was all messed up and my shoulder was just hurting. So having shoulder surgery and being that my shoulders are what I use to do my job, mm-hmm. I had to really just trust that going full speed and allowing, you know, myself to go through the motions wasn't going to end up with my shoulder being messed up again. And so it was, it was really difficult, but I had to kind of just stop worrying about getting hurt. Cause once you get hurt once you have to just forcibly push out any type of notion that you might get hurt again. So it's something that most players have a difficult time doing. Some can do it, but with Dak Prescott, what he did in hard knocks, he showed that he wanted to win. He wanted to get back on the field. He wanted to be out there with his teammates. He was, he was pissed off that he couldn't get back out there and you can relate to that as a player. I know coaches wanted to hold him back and limit his reps so he couldn't hurt himself again, but he really wanted to be out there. And that's something that you, you can't teach and yeah. why people respect him. but you, you still got to be smart because these preseason games aren't going to win you a Super Bowl. You got to be available for the regular season. But I think he kind of showed well, everyone wants to see that their players are as invested or, or more so than they are. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I even got some secondhand worry and concern when they were showing some of the, the highlights, the montages, you saw him rolling out, making throws on the run. And I was like, Oh, is that ankle going to hold up? Like, yeah, uh, like, slow down, slow down. Yeah. Just some, some cringe moments because I just enjoy watching Dak Prescott play so much. And I, I want him at, you know, even though he's not a member of the Falcons is actively competing against the Falcons by nature of, of the league. But yeah, just Dak, Dak seems to care so much. And, and you talk about underdogs. I mean, he's kind of got a little bit of an underdog story as a, as a lower drafted guy coming out of Mississippi State. But he's proven to be the leader of America's team and, and he can lead him to the playoffs. And I think a Super Bowl if he's got the right piece around him. And I, I think he does. So yeah, I will definitely, I hope, I hope to see Keanu Neal and Demonte Casey make an appearance on, on Hard Knocks at, at some yep. point just because Keanu oh, is one of my absolute favorite guys to uh, to talk to in the locker room. Really surprisingly soft-spoken and thoughtful. And I think that would surprise a lot of fans to see him, his non-game day persona uh, yep. on, on screen because he's so much fun. But yeah, I mean, speak talk 
speaking of fun, today's episode was was a lot of fun, Ovi. I, I'm really excited for this journey with you. I, I as much as all of the listeners, I want to learn as much from you as I can, get your perspective on a lot of stuff. I'm just some some jerk up here who likes the <laughs> game, who who got to to cover uh the Falcons for for a little while there. But man, you you played it, you lived it. Um so I'm really excited for this. Well, don't tell yourself short, man. You're a well-spoken jerk. You know, I, you, you, <laughs> you, do, you do very well with the talking piece. No, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to this uh, the journey with you as well. Looking forward to, you know, getting a chance to, to talk to the fans and the listeners and have people really uh, take this ride with us because this Falcon season, it's going to be interesting. Whether we win a lot, lose a lot, <laughs> seeing how Arthur Smith's first season is in Atlanta is going to be crazy. Seeing how Cal Pitts is able to grow and became that, Julio Jones 2.0 or that, or that Kyle Pitts is going to be interesting. Seeing if Matt Ryan can finally shake off the haters with another 5,000, 10,000 <laughs> yard season. The haters will finally shut up, leave my boy alone. Uh, it's going to be interesting. So I, th- I think we have a lot to look forward to, uh, you know, start with this next preseason game and we can go from there. Absolutely. Well, everybody, if you enjoyed this episode and, and why wouldn't you? We got Ovi Mahaley on board. What's up? Yeah, we did it. <laughs> yeah, me. Please. I'm, I'm me. <laughs> Uh, subscribe tell your friends tell your family um today's episode was presented by bet online um you can follow me on twitter at will mcfadden Ovi, what's uh what's your twitter handle at Ovi mahaley 34 first name last name number there you go easy enough um everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode we will be here weekly uh through the preseason and then uh, Ovi and i'll talk about it but maybe twice a week um once the regular season kicks off do a a wrap up show from one week's game and then a preview of the next week's game possibly. So stay tuned for information about that. And as always, take care. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.